0: welcome to Manic in Miami. This is Holly Hurricane, and today I have a special episode with Todd Tornado, whom I met in the psych ward.
1: Well, so I work work at a treatment program, Yeah, and at our offices, um, about 20% of our clients are in this phase where they come and take classes in groups for three months before they go to work and everything ah and so they come here to our office to have classes we have a classroom here yeah and so it's like 20 guys knocking on my door all the time which is okay i love them you know it's fun but it's just a lot
0: can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do
1: sure yeah my name is uh Todd, todd waller and uh i'm a social worker uh and i live in athens georgia Um, currently uh, I work for an organization called fresh wind recovery, which is a treatment center. I have a pretty large caseload, approximately 75 clients. Um, 25 of those are women and 50 of them are men. Um, and I really enjoy what I do. Uh, basically I do therapy and group therapy. And then I also take care of, um, doctor's appointments, uh, lawyers, court dates, uh, I communicate with probation officers and judges and hospitals. So i basically the guy that does all the stuff nobody else wants to do, which is fun. But I particularly love therapy. I, I love therapy the most.
0: And what do you like about therapy?
1: Ah, uh, the healing, you know, uh, it's so like when you get to know a guy for six months to a year and you do therapy with him and you get to see the changes Um, Yeah. over the course of months. It's hard to see changes week to week, but when you see like huge changes over the course of months and years, that to me is extremely satisfying.
0: It must be extremely satisfying and then also give you an optimistic perspective on humanity and our capability to better ourselves and get ourselves out of difficult situations. Is that, would you agree?
1: Yes, I would. You know, I think that I've seen a lot of miracles here and You know, not everybody has a radical life change. You know, some people come and they get some seeds planted in their mind and, you know, they end up leaving and uh, going back to their old ways. Of course. But the miracles are what I love. And I mean, they're rare, but when you see them, you get excited.
0: Todd and I met in a psych ward in Miami, Florida. And Todd, would you like to give some information about? how you ended up there. I know that you don't live in Miami. So what was happening?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, I have a diagnosis of bipolar with mania and acute depression. Yeah. uh, I was in Miami to visit a friend. And even before I got there, I was kind of on a manic high. Yes. Yeah. And, um, it's, (laughs) it's kind of wild when, when you're in that state. And um, after about three days in Miami, I started drinking um, Mm -hmm. kind of to come down from that high, to be honest with you. And um, it got a little out of control. And um, you know, I struggle with, with drinking. Um, I do identify as an alcoholic and um, it spun out of control. And I got to the point where I needed um, to get stabilized both for my mental health and to quit drinking. So that's how I ended up um, there in Miami in the psych ward. You know, I, there was an event and I'll tell you, you know, part of my mania and my bipolar, um, I start spending money. I don't know if that anybody else does that, but Miami Um, Yeah, is a great place to spend money at because everything's expensive. Uh Uh, So I I was renting this hotel room and it was, you know, $500 a night, but I didn't care. I was on manic high and I got to the hotel room and I was a little bit drunk and, uh, they asked me to leave okay well so
0: so when you went to the er i wonder why they decided to send you to the behavioral health unit
1: you know they ask you a lot of questions about your past yeah and uh, i've struggled with suicidal ideation before and the yeah. minute i the minute i yeah. said that everybody yeah. changed you know what i mean
0: do you have any thoughts about hurting yourself or others <laughs>
1: Uh, yes that's the question (laughs) and it's like a tough question because in your head you're thinking well hell yeah you know what I mean like yeah people are are crazy and I don't like myself right now you know so
0: right they gave me a big shot of Ativan and could tell that I was very out of it and so they asked me that question and if I had been experiencing anything um, unusual and I said oh you mean like Seeing the man standing in my kitchen and they were like, okay, upstairs.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's wild upstairs. I'll tell you that.
0: I was admitted to the psych ward and Todd was already in there and I didn't know what to expect. I was expecting something. How should I say? I don't want to use the word upscale. So absurd, but I was expecting something, um, a little less, uh, Prison esque than <laughs> yeah. what I saw when I walked in, and I was looking around. Obviously, there were people that could not take care of themselves there, um, and there were de- there were people. I mean, I met a couple of people who were there from prison who were worried about going back to prison. So there are people. I'm not sure why people get sent from prison. I guess you would know better than I would. I would imagine there was some sort of violent encounter, maybe, or something right. like that. Um, so I was a little bit uh, scared when I walked in and I believe after i had signed all the paperwork, you did mention to me that this particular psych ward was different than some others that you had seen. Can you tell us a little bit about what was different?
1: Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I've been to (laughs) a few other places and, um, the other places, the staff really pay attention to you you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. they're around, they want you to, um, kind of experience things. And also, um, you got to step outside. (laughs) That was
0: my biggest problem. Anyway. Yes.
1: (laughs) They would have like a little patio outside, you know what I mean? And it wasn't huge. I've been to places. It's not like a huge patio, but it's outside. It's got some plants, you know, a little table where you can smoke cigarettes on. Um, but the difference is the psych ward in Miami, it was just, to me, it was just a dungeon or it was an elevated dungeon. Because there's no outside. You walked in one big square over and over again in the halls.
0: The entire time we were in there, it was zero humidity, sunny, like 75 degrees. And I saw a um, schedule that was hanging up and it said one hour of exercise or outdoor time. And in um, like a manic rage, I was was banging on the schedule yelling, it says outdoor time. I don't know if you were there for that. (laughs)
1: no I don't remember that one but I would have loved to see it
0: it was funny and then I I kept saying this is inhumane and then I was going into nurses faces like you agree right this is inhumane don't you think so if you were and then I was like in prison they're allowed to go outside what is happening here and I think I was really starting to scare them as my rage sort of escalated but that that was a a bit (laughs) inhumane I could say that now do you I, I mean
1: I agree. And, you know, I was there for 10 days, which is a right. long time. Um, right. And that was hard. Um, I don't know. It was not a good place because, you know, other, psych- other you know, you call them psych wards. Other places are called, you know, crisis stabilization units.
0: Yeah. Ours was actually called the Behavioral Health Center. Behavioral Health
1: Center yeah. yeah. But other ones, you know, I am I just had good experiences at the other ones because they took care of me. And I'm not going to lie. The food was actually good. You know what I mean? Really? Um, yeah, That's hard to believe and if, you, if you, I went, you know, if you had a problem with your medication, a doctor would actually sit down and speak to you wow. like, like a session, you know, wow. not long, 15 minutes. But down there in Miami, it was in and out. You know, a doctor saw me for two minutes. And, oh, uh, and we
0: all, yeah. And I will. I'll just interject sometimes to describe what was happening. So we all had to line up. I think it was 730 in the morning to see the doctor, to see the psychiatrist. And he would see us for two minutes and the door was wide open. Everyone was in line. So um, I felt bad. Another guy that we both spoke to in there who was very shy and young and, you know, just seemed intimidated and upset about the entire situation. Of course, everyone heard the doctor saying, do you still want to commit suicide? Are you still, you know, and it's like, that should be a private conversation, man. Can't you close the door? You know? It was very odd. So it's interesting that you actually had time to sit down with doctors at other facilities. Do you yeah. think it might be that Miami is a big city and the volume perhaps, or? You know, know, I think
1: that might play into it, but I also think this hospital was just in the city. You know what I mean? So it, it gets, this hospital got a lot of different types of characters. And I just don't think the right. doctors really cared because it might- I don't it, think so. Yeah, I'll <laughs> tell you, when, when the doctor found out that I had, insur- he didn't know I had insurance- and right. so at the end, he let me stay, he told me he I could stay another three days after he found out I had insurance. He was wanting really? to he was wanting to put me out, which is fine. I was ready to go. Mm-hmm. But then once he saw my insurance, he said, Oh, the insurance will let you stay for another three days. I'm gonna keep you for another three days. And to me, that was just insane. Slimy. Like, that is oh. slimy. Because people okay. that don't People that don't have insurance get screwed.
0: Screwed. I've heard these stories. I want to say a couple of things about the doctor and about insurance. First of all, I am not one to tout the American health insurance system Yeah. or how how healthcare works in this country. However, the insurance that I have uh, through my job has been amazing. And they have actually had people call me several times to follow up, ask how I'm doing, offer free resources. It's kind of amazing. Um, I've never heard of that being done before. Have you, I, I've asked other people. Like
1: No, but my insurance company did the same thing for me when I got out of the hospital in Miami, they called me about oh, a week later okay. and they, they just said, um, you know, we saw you're in the hospital. We want to check in on your mental health. Do you, Holly, I'll tell you too. The other thing that was cool in other, in other uh, stabilization units, behavioral health yeah. unit, is they would have a couple social workers, Who were trained, and you could—they would sit down with you for thirty minutes to an hour, and go through some issues, like really talk to you. I mean, they're not psychiatrists, which was—I thought it was better that they were social workers because they were just kind, polite people that we could talk to. Because I wanted to talk to somebody about my stuff.
0: So did I. I know we didn't get that opportunity at all.
1: Nope.
0: That yeah. I want to address the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist and it may have been a scare tactic in fact it probably was i don't believe i had special treatment there is a possibility that i did because i was the only person who had a single room i had no roommate there were only three women there and the other two women were sort of off in their own world i don't know if you remember them one was only saying like please or thank you a little bit and yeah. they weren't communicating much I was the only woman that was communicating with people there. And I, so I had a single room. I complained a lot about the food. Remember it was like three, three kinds of fried meat. And I was like, I'm a vegetarian. And then I didn't, I didn't want to say that I was a pescatarian or I preferred vegan, which I do, but uh, you know, there was no way I would eat any fish that they would give me anyway. So, but they ended up getting um, food for me from the cafeteria downstairs. So they, they took, a lot of pity on me. I think, um, the psychiatrist did not. So you probably remember this. I want to share this quick little story. I was so upset about the inability to get any fresh air. We were not even able to, you know, open a window and there were some really terrible smells in there making it mm-hmm. <laughs> compounding the, uh the bad situation. And so I had the head RN, he reluctantly signed a request for early discharge document that I had at night to give to the psychiatrist the next morning. I was the first person in line because I was really hoping that I would be discharged early. This is the first day and I had met you guys. I liked you guys, but it was before the meds that they gave me kicked in. (laughs) Yeah. They they kicked in later that morning. I remember that specifically. It's like the doctor almost knew. He's like, she got her meds at 8 p.m. last night. They're going to kick in because I was very, you know, I was very manic and I was very upset. I felt like I was being imprisoned. I felt like I was in a cage. If I had a patio to go outside to, I don't think I would have felt that quite as much, to be honest, Um, despite all the rules and regulations, which we can talk about. A little later, I walked into the doctor's office. Everyone is in line behind me. The door is wide open. He picks up the document and said, oh, what's this? Oh, great. I'll sign this document. And I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. Great. Sign it. Sign it now. You know, like manic, like great. Sign it. Yeah, sure. I'll sign it. And then I'll Baker Act you right back in here. (laughs) And he screamed, and so I was so embarrassed. Of course, everyone heard that. And then he was looking at my report, and he was like, ah, so you're hallucinating. You're hearing voices? You're high as a kite? (laughs) I'm ashamed to admit this, but in manic desperation, I thought that one card I could play, I feared sexual harassment in there, right? (sighs) So I told him, I'm, I'm very concerned about sexual harassment and I believe there are people who are dangerous in here. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, she's so beautiful. We should get a robe and a cloak. So no one will have to look at you. Oh, that's in that tone of voice. That's I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly what he said, because the night before was when I had been ranting to the nurses saying that this was inhumane, that I was a caged animal. We should have outdoor time. I can't believe this. Um, And you guys saw you saw that I was pretty angry. Remember, I was just pissed. I was like slamming the door to my room. This is hilarious. I was basically like tiptoeing around, like dancing, like skipping. Literally, I was I was suddenly happy. And when the night staff uh, of nurses came on again, I individually um, approached each of them and said, I am so sorry about last night. Oh, that was terrible. I never should have addressed you that way. And I just want to tell you that I think it's great here and I'm having a great time. And I didn't think about it in the moment, but after I left, I was like, wow, imagine how crazy they thought I was after I did that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so
0: anyway, can you speak to your experience with the doctor?
1: Yeah, I was very frustrated with the doctor. Um, I cannot remember his name for the life of me, but he would come into my room. I can. What's his, yeah. yeah, maybe we should. I'm,
0: not, I'm not going to say his name, but sorry. Yeah.
1: yeah. But he, yeah, that's a good idea. But he uh, he would come into my room for the three minutes he would spend with me. But you know, I have been taking one medication, which I'm, which is lithium. I've been taking it for over ten years, and it's the medicine yeah. that works. Yeah. Um. Sometimes you have to get it adjusted. You know what I mean? Um. And quick
0: quick uh, interjection. I'm trying to get on that now because sure. I've heard good things about it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Lithium's changed my life because it actually yeah. it actually does stabilize my mania and my bipolar. Yeah. I mean, perfectly. Now, again, you have to adjust it sometimes, take less or take more. It's, it's one of those things you just have to get with your doctor about. Yeah. Right. But I've been taking it for 10 years. And uh, I, I told the doctor the very first day I saw him, I said, they're not giving me lithium. You know, I told you all I take lithium. And he said, I don't think you're bipolar. So <laughs> there's no need to give you lithium. You haven't showed bipolar symptoms. And I said, well, sir, you know, I, this chemical, this lithium is... Is something that I, I've taken. I mean, I've never stopped taking it. Right. Um, and so for ten days, he didn't give me any lithium, and I would ask him every morning, "What's up with the lithium?" Wow. He, he was he refused, and I even told him we could contact my my psychiatrist and have her send the notes over. Yeah. And he was he was not interested in that. So he gave me another medication called Buspar, which the side effects for Buspar are horrible, and so mm-hmm. I just did not get any mental health medication that worked for me while I was in that hospital yeah despite Um, me despite me constantly telling them please help you know so
0: yes and the second night I was there I was manic I was frantically writing on pieces of paper and reading and I was up the entire night the nurses took so much pity on me they texted not only the doctor they texted someone else I think the nurse practitioner and said please can we give her something She needs something to sleep. And I thought that was a little bit terrible. If I'm so manic, obviously I I won't be able to sleep. Why, why didn't that, why wasn't that a no brainer? Give me something to help me rest. And, you know, we weren't allowed to leave our rooms between 1030 and 615 or 630, somewhere around there in the morning. So I would open my door. Remember it was right by like the reception area or whatever that, where the nurses sat. Um, behind glass and I would open my door and they one nurse would go no no Holly you still have five more hours and you know speaking to me like I was a child which to be honest I didn't mind because I found it comforting in a way and I also thought it was funny but I would kept creeping out the door because we had no way to tell time so I had to open the door to look at the clock and he was like I'm so sorry like I texted again just I, I can't Give you anything? I was like, "Can't you give me Benadryl or Tylenol PM?" Tylenol is usually something used in hospitals, and he's like, "I really wish I could." And I was like, "Anything?" And then um, every time—I mean, so many times—I opened the door to check to check on the time, and he would say, "Do you want water? Do you want cookies? Do you want crackers?" And he would bring me water, cookies, and crackers. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty nice, but. First, I want to get to something people may not know about uh, everything they take from you when you do get checked in. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, But another thing was that, of course, every 15 minutes, um, some sort of psych tech or or young nurse or someone in training seemed like they were people. They weren't RNs. I'm not sure
2: who would go.
0: No, they weren't. They, They would go around to every room with like an iPad sort of thing and check off each, um, each patient to, I guess, make sure that we were stable. We were, we were there. We hadn't harmed ourselves. We were okay or whatever, checking our checking just to make sure that we were there living and stable. And because I was not able to sleep, this kind of haunts me. I scared a couple of them. There was a young woman who was doing it one night and since I was awake and you know just like scribbling on paper I said hi when automatic of course I am so extroverted and exhibitionist crazy person when I'm really manic so I could talk about that later too but I said immediately said hi when I saw her face at the door and she was like and she jumped backwards like she was terrified yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> and that it's just there. there's some I don't know how to describe that feeling I just can't believe that sometimes that I was there and then I made that poor woman like have this intense fear like you know scared of me because I'm a crazy person she had to check on you know Yep. there's a, there's a bit of shame in the back of my mind there and I say some of that you know tongue-in-cheek but uh, uh, but I'm mentioning it because it did make me feel ashamed after she left you know And that 15-minute check is also makes it very difficult for other people to sleep because if someone's opening those loud doors and the the terrible overhead lighting from the hallway is coming in, I guess it can be hard to sleep. I don't know. I guess you didn't have a problem there, did you?
1: Uh, Yeah, heck yeah, I did.
0: Oh, you did? I thought you didn't because you were you had the Advan shot.
1: Yeah, so. You know, the Ativan shot, I, I, I do want to talk about the Ativan shot. Yeah. To me, to me, that's just a way to regulate the the what the people think. I, it really was, I, I, it wasn't a gift. It was them getting me to shut up, I think. Oh, yeah. Know? I because, wonder if there
0: was a gender aspect to that, by the way. Yeah.
1: Possibly. Because yeah. um, I think they were legitimately afraid I was going to freak out because I'm a 5'10 male. Yeah. Who, you know what I mean? I'm not huge or anything, but um, they don't want to <laughs> deal with that. You know, they don't want to deal with a man fighting or a woman fighting for that matter, but.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you're tall. You're, you're in pretty good shape. You have yeah. a few tattoos. They're cool tattoos, though.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yeah. But the, 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 you call it the adamant shot, but it was, it was two, two chemicals in it. Halidol, okay. halidol, Halidol, and adamant. Right, right. Halidol is something they give people to just knock them out. Yeah. And that's what that shot would do. They'd give me that shot and I'd be, I'd get high off the shot, really. And then I'd lay down and I'd be out. You know, but still, know. but the 15 minute checks, I'd still wake up during the 15 minute checks because they're just pretty loud when they do it. You know, yeah. And then I, then I fall right back asleep. But, um, yeah. but that shot that they gave me, yes, I did like it because it just put me to sleep because I couldn't. Sleep, yeah, yeah.
0: You know? Actually, I mentioned Helodol to them when I was desperate to sleep, and I was like, I'm not asking for Helidol. I'm asking for Tylenol PM, something. You know. And the only thing they could give me was water, cookies, or crackers. I ate a, I ate a lot of, we ate a lot of snacks in there. I feel like that's all we did.
1: I know, but by, <laughs> by the end of it, you're like so tired of these cheap crackers and this. I know. Mini mini mini.
0: Oh yeah, like I wanted a a really good salad immediately.
1: <laughs> oh, that's what I did. I I went. We I, me, the so first. So did thing, I. We went to this gourmet salad shop and literally yeah. got a salad and took it home and ate it.
0: Yep, the salad. Oh, great salad was the first thing I got to. Uh um, yeah. that's really funny. I think I stepped yeah. at Fresh Fresh Market was right on the way.
1: Oh, anyway, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like I live very close to a fresh market, and that's the road that you turn onto from the hospital. Yeah. Um, so first going back to entering the psych ward, I watched a couple of um YouTube videos since then with like vloggers. First of all, there is one, it, this makes no sense at all. I th- it must be the ER, but some some girl is vlogging and she's like, here I am in the psych ward. And it's like, you're not allowed to have a phone in any behavioral health unit, I would imagine. Maybe I'm wrong. Is that is that okay?
1: No, you can't have your phone. no. No,
0: you can never have your phone. So first of all, she's obviously in the ER, but she said she was giving people recommendations. If you're going to the psych ward, just go and buy a notebook. And she holds up like this, you know, school notebook, like a wire bound notebook and bring this and this and this. I actually did bring a notebook to write in knowing that I wouldn't have my phone and that, you know, I'm manic and it's a good idea. And they took it from me. We weren't allowed to bring a pen in. We weren't allowed to bring deodorant in. We could not bring a single toiletry, a single writing utensil, anything. We couldn't bring, I had a pair of pants on that just had a fabric tie at the top and they took that tie and they let me keep the pants. But initially they made me put the, you know, the hospital gown on. And so they really We weren't allowed to bring absolutely anything. Deodorant, I didn't understand. Um, Yeah. Right? A a, a comb. I couldn't bring a brush. I had all of this stuff ready to go. They let me bring two books in, which was nice of them. And then they gave me a bunch of paper and those little pencils. So you can't bring anything. And then you're there and you're watching them take your stuff and they put it into a locker and lock it up. And then you just, you're at their mercy, right?
1: Oh. yeah exactly i mean you saw me i had a full beard by yes. the time you saw me and I, it was you know i'm not a beard guy and it's just itchy and uncomfortable i hate it yeah. yeah i'm just i'm thinking this is what i'm thinking i've got clippers in my bag like just let me do it you know like let me clip let me because it's just yeah uh, you know you know well just, do you oh.
0: re- do you remember that okay I take it back. I did get special treatment. (laughs) Remember the doctor the next day said I could have half an hour on my phone because I said I was having a speaker in my class from London and I had to get in touch with my students. And so they had someone, um, watch me for 30 minutes and they were staring at my phone and everything that I was typing. So they were doing that, but they did allow me to use it, which I thought was a very, you know, gracious amnesty to be honest because that was important and uh they also allowed me to get my deodorant it was the rn who took me in there (laughs) when i was going to get my my phone i don't know if i smelled bad maybe but i just i just said come on can i please have some deodorant said okay and i was like you know i really need makeup like and i was just joking it was total sarcasm and he was like okay um like, don't tell anyone, but if you want to take a little makeup and I was like, no, that's okay. I really only want deodorant and this brush and I'm totally fine, <laughs> but I was going <laughs> to be permitted to, you know, bring a little, uh, concealer and, and mascara in there, which was pretty funny, but normally no one is allowed to access anything after they lock it
1: away. No, oh, yeah. yeah. You were getting special treatment for sure.
0: Yeah um because
1: you're a nice you're a nice woman and they appreciate uh-huh. that they see me and they're like look at this bearded a-hole coming in here asking for <laughs> yeah
0: right no you are nice to everybody come on I tried to be, oh yeah. so do you remember um I thought this was hilarious and there's a big common area where people spend most of the time sort of hanging out right yeah um and there are two big tvs in there that's where we have all of our meals and our snacks and People sit around, you know, just that's basically it. And uh we saw that Get Out was going to be on TV. <laughs> we t- we turned on Get Out and we're like, everybody watch Get Out. It's a great movie. Like no one else knew what it was. Yeah. But the fact that it was, you know, that movie and yeah. everything that happens in that movie, I thought that was like priceless. Yeah. That was- <laughs> Having everyone watch Get Out in the cycle. Everyone gathered around and
1: watched it. It was so funny. Yeah,
0: like, I know. It was great. Uh, um, yeah. And then we also requested CNN and not the local news because that was when things were just beginning to unfold uh, in the Ukraine. Which is sad. Gosh. Yeah. I remember that too. Um,
1: Holly, I'll never forget, you know, we we came in there. You were, You were already in there in the room and I woke up and came in there yeah you said Todd yeah they they've invaded Ukraine and we're sitting there watching it on the news and I'm just thinking oh my gosh here I am trapped in this box and real real things are happening in the world you know obviously I couldn't do anything about Ukraine but it was just a weird feeling you know because I want to be around my yeah I want to be around my people as we watch this unfold you know and yes it's just it's just And the funny thing is no one else cared like it was me and no you. one else cared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were like, wait, Ukraine, where's Ukraine at? You know what I mean? Like,
0: actually, that's not true. I want oh, okay. one thing. And your point is a perfect segue to a great story that I have about a psych ward um, that I heard from a doctor friend of mine, but I'm going to leave that for one of my short little, but I'll tell you about it. It's perfectly in line with that anyway yarrow Yaro lopez yeah. of the famous street saxophone and one of our little crew in the psych ward he was explaining to kevin what was happening he knew yeah oh he, wow he was the only other person who knew and he was explaining it to kevin and then i i was sitting next to him and he turned to me and he said actually holly could probably explain it better because she teaches and stuff <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah
0: and and he i was like no i'm not going to explain it better because you know what's happening and you did explain it very well and i thought so i guess both of us cared we wanted to find out what was going on but yarrow knew the situation no yeah. one else had it had any clue that's for sure
1: nope um, I'm, I'm glad you he, that about euro he's he was a euro a, he's a smart man he's oh my gosh smart. yeah we got to shout him out he's fantastic have you ever seen he him really is episode? yeah talk to well him.
0: He wants he you know, I've heard from him a few times today, and he would be happy if I were listening to him play saxophone, play saxophone right now. Um So and when you're in Miami, which is very, very soon, you can hear him play saxophone. He yeah. took two. He had to leave college because of his mental health issues. Yeah. Um And this was before any addiction issues, but he did two years of college as a music major and he studied music theory and, you know, he's the real deal. He's, he's studied, you know, university level music. Um, And he is a really nice guy. That's another thing. Do you remember uh, how he was offering to help everyone? Yes. Yeah. What, what can you say about that? What do you remember?
1: I mean, he was just everybody's support. Right. And it was, yeah. he, he would say things like, when you get out, you can come over to my house. We'll, we'll hang out and have a good time. If you need a place to go, you know? And yeah. while he was in there, it was just anybody that had an issue or a problem. It was like, he wanted you know, to help. He wanted to figure out a way to help. And that's such an awesome skill to have, you know?
0: Yes. And when I walked into the room the first time he was like, let me get you a chair. Can I get you some water? And he was walking around to everyone and,
1: and off well, I mean, I remember when I came in there, I was kind of out of it a little bit, you know, um, they drugged me up. Yeah. yeah. And so I didn't want anybody like in my face asking questions. But as I walked yeah, by, yeah. Yeah. he understood this. You understood this. And he said, he just said, Hey, man, you know, you're okay, you know, go to sleep. And when you're done, come talk to me, you know, so he just completely introduced himself and did it so perfectly, because I didn't want a big, uh, you know, I didn't want tons of people in my face, obviously, I, I'm out of it. But he just did yeah. such a good job of kind of Uh, having a calming presence and also letting me know that he was there for me
0: it was amazing I I agree he was a, a great support and you were as well of course I don't know what I would have done if I had not met you in there um remember when I would get upset and we just walked in that small square around and around and around yep uh that was inhumane see we should have been able to get outside and just be able to at least walk somewhere i mean come on man you know
1: yeah exactly Oof. it's hard but yeah i, I remember know. walking that square with you because you i wouldn't say you got upset you would get you know you were a little frustrated and things would kind of suck and we would just walk around that square and we wouldn't talk about anything yes. that was bother you we just talk about regular stuff like yeah me and you were talking as if we were walking in a park yes you know what i mean
0: it was very comforting i remember asking you like oh cool like what what bands do you like and yeah. Oh well you should see coconut grove it's blah 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 yeah just anything to get my mind off of the distressing situation and also when i walked in there i was on ativan i they'd given me a huge shot of ativan so i was also a bit out of it and this is funny it also is extremely embarrassing but on the ativan i was most concerned about the stickers that they put on my Balenciaga bag and oh, my, my and my little like Fendi um, whatever whatever it was like little pouch, and I was like, can you? That's that's balenciaga can you i need <laughs> i need Need to get it's gonna stick on i just and yeah. these uh there there was a nurse who was like i totally understand and she yeah. was like running around getting things to try to help me and then when they were locking my stuff away too it was like hey, don't don't pile anything on top of that it needs to i need to maintain the, the structure the and they're like okay just stop talking you're yeah.
1: You got, you know, it's the saddest thing to see your stuff get locked away because they put you right there as they lock it in this room. So I remember, yeah. looking at, I remember looking at my stuff with my cell phone, my computer, my eye, iP- all the mm-hmm. stuff that, that I live, you know, I hate to say it, but my phone is always with me. You know, it's just part of me kind of, it's part of my job. And yeah. so to watch it literally be locked in a room that's right in front of me, but I can't get inside of, was yeah. really crazy, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's. It is an experience. It is something that is very strange. Just it—it it is your freedom is being taken away. Your access to people is being taken away. Your access to breathe in fresh air is taken away, and it is very difficult. By the way, Yero just texted me and said, "When are you talking to Todd?" <laughs> cool.
2: um,
1: Tell him I you know, said hello.
0: Oh, I will. And my number too, by the way. Oh, okay. I will. He really wants to see you. Yeah,
1: um, I'll, I'll be down there soon.
0: So. A couple of other things. Um, the biggest thing that helped me there was the art therapy. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell the story about when I'm leaving in a little bit, but that was so wonderful. And it made me realize that I need that in my life. And it's probably better for me than many other sort of calming activities. It just really, really clicked and really worked for me. Um, and i really loved the art therapist there she was wonderful yeah she was um, she was so cool and she would it, she would switch back and forth between you know holly is in the mental ward and a crazy not not a crazy person but holly needs to be you know, looked after, and she's a little out of her mind, and she's a maniac. She, but then she vacillated toward like, there were like little breaks in that behavior about how she's trained to teach the patients in the psych ward. And then I would say I remember, because um, I I wanted to go again, the meds, the, the heavy meds, they gave me yeah. just, they made me act like kind of a little kid at times. And I wanted to go to the to start art therapy so badly. So I would creep around before the time. Remember she went around with like a bell or something and she was, she would yell. um, What was it? Like act group time, group time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like three people would go. So before that, I was like, can I go in early? She's like, no, Holly, you can't. Just wait a little bit. And I heard her through her office listening to like old school punk, like, And I I don't remember now what it was, but I recognized it. And then she she would play all the yacht rock during yeah. therapy, like <laughs> yeah. the comforting yacht rock. And I went in and I was like, hey, um, I heard what you were playing before.
2: Yeah.
0: And she was like, oh, yeah, like she was like, I would love to play that in here. But, you know, got to keep it a little calm for for these people. So it's kind of like she broke character in a couple of moments, like over music. Yeah. And then um, then it was back to, you know, that's her job. She has to treat us a certain way. And I don't know. I don't think I was treated like a child per se, but there, I mean, I guess there must, there has to be a method for having, you know, being around patients who are in there who are, none of us were mentally stable or we wouldn't be in there. Let's just face it. Right.
1: Yeah. And the truth is there's a lot of people that go there that are struggling even worse than me and you are. Oh,
0: of course. Of course. I think we were high functioning for being the psych ward, Um, but,
1: that art therapist you know she did such a good job and you kind of said it very well like the balance between I'm a yeah. art therapist and I'm also kind of an artist and a friend and yeah. she balanced it well she set up good boundaries and she communicated with us well and yeah um, I got a lot from that too and I'm not an artist but I did start incorporating that into my life because I did. can. yeah well I don't do art but I can build things I should show you a picture ah.
2: Oh, and you lay
0: tile. Oh, my God. I was yeah. so excited when you told me that. But yeah, you should show me a picture.
1: I will. I'll send it to you. But I, okay. you know, I've been building things um, like little boxes. I'm i a good with wood. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: And I kind of yeah. re- I redid the stairs at my house and stuff. So
0: oh, that's so great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all I've been doing because I bought a condo that I, you know, it was good timing for wanting to do that sort of thing. Um, but I since I was the doctor was right about something. He said, I can't legally hold you beyond this point, but I'm telling you that you should stay. And my first thought was afterwards was, oh, that was a probably, you know, to his benefit financially or something or to the hospital's benefit because my insurance will pay out more. But he was right because I was very manic when I left that hospital. I love Blick Art Store. And there's one, you know, not too far from me. I went in there like the day after I got back and just like blew a ton of money on like so many different art supplies. Like, It's kind of funny. I'm glad that I have them and I don't really care, but, um, yeah, that was just, that was great. That was the best activity. And I have, I'm actually a guest on another podcast that I love, which is the reason I started this podcast. And I listen to, um, the, her episode called "Don't Go to the Psych Ward." It's Sky Menhart, manic state of mind podcast, and it's hilarious. She's just she's very entertaining, but she talks about how in she in some of the psych wards she's been in, you're lucky to have a Disney coloring book or something like that. Um, and so I think we were pretty lucky. We didn't get to go outside, but we were lucky that we had that art therapist, and it was pretty high level. It was amazing what we were able to make and the paints we had and everything we had access to.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad it was there, and it was kind of it was kind of a nice surprise yeah. from the depressing place I was in. And all of a sudden, here's this energetic woman who wants us to paint. It was it was awesome.
0: Yeah, and there was that amazing view in the room. Remember? Oh my gosh! Yep. Right and I could there. see where I lived. I kept pointing over, like that's where I live. Oh, that reminds me of another guy in there. And I can't. Do you remember the man with a beard? He was a bit older.
1: The, uh, yeah. fam- I talked to him. Cuban?
0: Yes, he was Cuban. I talked to him a lot, but he was American. He was an American citizen. He told me that about a hundred times. Um, and he had, a li- yeah, you remember him. You talked to him too, but I, I talked to him a lot and I heard he was always on the phone and he kept telling people that, that I was his muchacha and that he met me and I could pick up what he was saying in, in Spanish. And he was talking a lot about how he made this friend. He really wanted to move into my apartment. I kept explaining. <laughs> I kept explaining that it was a one bedroom, but he had a terrier, a little dog that he talked about a lot. He had some very interesting stories. I live right by Dinner Key Marina in Coconut Grove, which you could see from the art therapy room. And he used to clean the bottoms of boats and like clean barnacles off of them and just, you know, go underwater and go under these big boats. And he really liked doing it. And he was telling me some stories about that. And that's just right down the street. You know, I can walk there in a few minutes. And that was just. I thought he was very interesting and really nice yeah. and no one sexually harassed me in there. No one was inappropriate at all. There was a guy who could barely speak, um, who kept coming up to me with like this, like very empathetic, like sweet smile and making a heart with his hands. I don't know if you remember that guy. I do. Um, yeah. And everyone was really sweet. I didn't have any horrifying, you know, weird creepy experiences with anybody and that's it was very poignant in a way but anyway so the guy that had the dog the cuban guy we were really you know 6 30 in the morning getting coffee and their local miami news was on and there was a story about a pit bull who was kind of a neighborhood dog in hialeah which is in miami-dade county you may have heard of it even though you're not a local anyway I've heard of it. yeah yeah so that the dog was—it was an animal cruelty case, and I don't. Re- Luckily, I don't remember exactly what happened to the dog, but the dog was still alive, and and the neighbors were—they were interviewing them. They were shocked and upset, and someone did something terrible to the dog. So I told the Cuban guy who loved his terrier, um, "Hey, this is terrible," and I made the stu- maybe I'm going to blame this on my meds. I said. Hey, Hammer, I said, hey, Hammurabi Hammurabi's code. Hey, eh? like eye for an eye with that stuff. Like you can't, you can't hurt a defenseless animal. And he walked up with his nose to the screen and was like growling. Like he looked so angry. Like I thought he was going to like break the TV or something. And I'm like, why did I bring that to his attention? Like, why did I say that? You know, like he got yeah. so upset. Um, and I, I really remember, I remember that and saying, okay it's fine. The dog's going to be okay. Like I, I felt so bad. Like, was I egging this guy on? And I, I don't know why he was in there, you know, or what his, his struggles are. Um, but, but most people were very nice. Do you remember the, one of the guys who really couldn't speak who was more like catatonic looked just like Steve Buscemi. Yeah. I
1: remember <laughs> that. that was wild. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't talk at all.
0: No. And yeah. I wonder what are the, what, what may, uh, I mean I wonder why do you think he just I I wonder what that was
1: I don't know I mean maybe it's just his personality but I also I'm telling you in these crisis units and places like that sometimes if you have serious issues and you're really unstable their solution is just to completely dope you up exactly yeah it's just okay we got to get him to calm down let's give him everything Um, and Mm. that's that's so wrong to me you know but they've done it to yeah. me before in the past, you know? So yeah. I think that possibly so, Mr. Bushimi went was doped up, you know? I, I don't know. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think I was, I didn't get the out of hand shot, but did you, I mean, you must have noticed my, my fast behavior change that didn't happen out of the blue. If I hadn't been, you know, drugged up, I would have been more, I, I would have been increasingly irritated by the situation. And instead I was telling everyone that I loved it there so that doesn't make sense and i don't know we you know we were given those little cups just like the movie one flew over the cuckoo's nest medication time and i'm not even sure i don't think i think i was too out of it to even remember everything that was in it do you remember the really nice um nurse practitioner
2: male female female,
0: she gave me a bunch of vitamins and she was really really oh yeah calming presence she was great yeah so i know that i had vitamins um I remember she was like, "You should take folic acid," and but, I don't know. Anyway, but I don't really know what else was in there. I know I had Latuda, I know I had Lamictal, I know I had Depakote, but there was something that really changed, uh, you know, in less than a day, just in a matter of hours. I, I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was an environmental effect. Maybe I had just adjusted to being in this sort of prison-like state with no freedom. Right. I'm not sure. Maybe that was my reaction, but it was very strange.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's some people take it differently when they're in a place like that. I'm really adaptable. And so when I got into that unit, it was like, okay, I'm in this enclosed space. Um, I can't do anything. It's frustrating, but there's nothing I can do about it. The doors are (laughs) locked and my brain just adjusts that, you know what I mean? Where I can be calm about it and not focus on being trapped, even though I'm clearly trapped and other people don't, aren't able to do that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, like Holly, for example, you, you needed outside. You needed space because yes. that's your personality. Yeah. Um, and so when, when you didn't have it, you, it was hard for you to uh, adjust. That. Yeah, yes. exactly. You couldn't adjust to the environment you were in. No one can t- adjust a hundred percent, but yeah. you, you know, that environment is a very stressful environment and it shouldn't be, it's a stabilization unit. It should be calm, but it's not.
0: It's not. Yeah. Why don't, why is it? exactly there should be more done to make sure that it's a calm and stabilizing place and getting fresh air I know that I keep harping on that because that's my thing yeah but um that's all that but that is seriously a basic necessity for people you can't have people in there for a month and Without being outside once. And, you know, I live in Miami. We're always outside. It's just, oh. No,
1: it was so hard to look out the window and see the ocean and people walking around. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't necessarily want to get in the water, but I'd love to go down there. You yeah. know, it's, it's freaking Miami. You could see across. I could literally look out the window and see across where my friend lived.
0: Yep. And I could see my place. Yeah, that's right.
1: I almost wish the windows were blacked out. so I <laughs> You know what I mean?
0: I appreciated the view. I tried to like pretend I was, I was out there. Um, Yeah, that, that was very difficult. And you know what? You saw me when I came in, like, I really couldn't have cared less about getting cookies or
2: chips,
0: (laughs) but I did self-medicate with those. I ate a lot of Oreos and you know, that new flavor of sun chips. They were pretty good. And people there were nice. yeah. Yeah. Do you remember those? Those were freaking, oh, garden salsa with the little spice. They were amazing.
1: Well, it was weird because you came in um and I, I just this is just true um there's some people that you're able to communicate with um, who are kind of on your level and kind of uh think the way that you do and you you were like that you know here you yeah. are a professor in college you're educated here i am you know i'm educated and i got stuff and so we didn't yeah. spend tons of time folk like talk. we did talk about the problems at the facility but i was able to talk to you on a real level about life you know world events yeah um, and just life in general and So that was it. Was fun to connect with you that way because, yes, not everybody is able to connect with you and think the way that I think. um, Oh yeah, so
0: I think I was very lucky to meet you there. Honestly,
1: I was lucky too. Yeah.
0: Should I mention um, my experience leaving?
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about that.
0: The reason I was so upset waiting to be discharged was I wanted to be outside.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: um, that's all. You were
1: melting to... down, by the way. You were not. You were not handling it well.
0: I was melting down. I was crying, and uh-huh. I remember Kevin and Yara were looking at me like, "Whoa, what's going on?" And then you came up next to me, and you were like, "Let's just walk over there." And then you were like, "If they see you crying like this, you may not get to leave." Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember that. <laughs> I, like I look over, and here's you know this girl Holly, who I've met and I care about, and um, they've told her you're leaving today which when you hear that, you think, okay, give me my bags. Let's go. You know what I mean? But it took what? Four hours for them. Four to hours. The yeah.
0: And they were kind yeah. of a little you know, dismissive when I, when I asked about it, but the art therapist, however, was so nice. And in art therapy that morning, she said, Holly, I heard you're getting out today. And I'm like, Oh my God. And she was like, well, I was like, can I stay later if I don't finish this? She said, oh, yes. Yeah. And she started laughing. She said, I have actually had a couple of people do that. And I did finish on time. And she gave me another, another wooden thing to paint. And she was like, you really like this. I think you should take this home. I'll get this in a bag for you. And she put it, it almost looked like a little gift bag. She put like a little bow on it and wrote my name on the bag. And when I was leaving, they gave it to me. And that was so sweet. You know, I really, really liked that. Um, And then, so I was escorted out. I met with the social worker who went over a lot of details. I had to sign a lot of paperwork. I had my prescriptions to go down to the pharmacy um, on the first floor by the ER reception to have filled. And I started reading my discharge paperwork. And I mean, I know that it's just standard, but I was looking through it. Um, I read it in full a few days later. And it says things like Holly was having an extreme manic episode. Holly had psychotic symptoms. It also said if Holly becomes agitated, basically, if Holly becomes a manic um, freak show again, it suggests the discharge papers say, we suggest the following, wrap her in a blanket.
2: <laughs> wow,
0: Wrap me in a blanket. And then it says, please keep all weapons of firearms away from Holly. Really? And it makes sense that it says that, but it was just so it was a a surreal experience reading all of this stuff. And I didn't I didn't know that these other notes were there, you know, Um, and the social worker was, you know, she was very thorough. And I thought I thought that she was great. Um, But yeah, so I went downstairs to the pharmacy and I was still man. I was very manic. I was and then I was manic about leaving. And so. I was had this, these heightened sense, and I was so nice to the woman at the pharmacy. She was like, Oh, can you like, wait, like a momento. And I was like, Oh yeah, of course. Like overly happy, excited. And uh, you know, I was kind of like, um, Oh my God. I just, I was kind of like Bradley Cooper when he's leaving the, the psych ward in oh, Silver yeah. Lining's playbook. I was like, yeah, of course. I was like, I am hungry. Can I have these chips? And she was like, oh, she knew like something. And she was like, oh yeah, sit down and eat them, darling, like whatever. And I was like, wow, thank you. And I was just so happy. I took like, she was of course, filling my prescriptions and knew what my prescriptions were and that there were antipsychotics there, et cetera. Been here before, not her first rodeo. I was very demonstrative very interesting to look back and reflect on that they did allow me to drive out I drove out onto this this is not normally my my choice my mixes are a lot of like psych rock and different old post-punk stuff and you know whatever and all kinds of stuff so this I put all the windows down it was breezy and beautiful out every single window had to come down because it was fresh air man that's the one thing that I was craving And I started blasting the song Sober by Childish Gambino. But the lyrics are, and now that it's over, I'll never be sober. I couldn't believe, but now I'm so high. When I'm manic, I am very extroverted. And I really like attention. I engage with people, you know, talking to, engaging, interacting with the cars around me. And it was such a nice day. So people had their windows down. So, yep that was me. I think that is um, something I'll never forget. The stage of mania I was in, which was a psychotic break, dysphoric state is not a good place to be. It's actually the state where um, bipolar one patients are at the highest risk for suicide. Thinking about suicide, which I have done. And then you meet people like Todd, who who has dedicated his career to helping other people and a cool guy, a normal guy, and you never know what people are going through. There were a couple of books I brought in with me, and I'm glad I had those. I I was rereading specific parts of of those books, and one of them is Bell Hooks, who um, tragically died in December. Her book, All About Love, and I felt such a lack of love in my life, which is part of the reason that um, I think I finally (laughs) lost it. Um, And her book is divided into sections about all the different kinds of love there are. And that's a really poignant memory too, just reading through some of the sections in that book and, and just writing my thoughts about that. And as I say to my students, Life is is tough and and we need to help each other out and support each other. I don't know why that's so difficult for people. And and that's all I'm going to say about that because I'm starting to cry. Hey, Holly. Hey.
1: Sorry about that.
0: No worries. So anything you'd like to... Maybe mention about other experiences. How about when you left? What was it like kind of readjusting and some sure. of your thoughts, uh, uh, you know, in your recovery?
1: For sure. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, when I left the, the hospital down there, you know, um, my friend, I keep calling her my friend. She's my girlfriend, I was. That's know? what I
0: thought. I yeah. was like, is he doing that guy thing where he doesn't use the word girlfriend? No, I'm totally yeah.
1: kidding. <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. No, it's, that's not it, but she we were together um, and I loved her, you know, I still do love her and I still talk to her.
0: I can tell that you, that you loved her, even if you weren't in a romantic relationship, it was, that was clear to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was just a long distance relationship, which is hard. Um, But I was coming down to Miami all the time to see her. So that made it easier. But when I got out, she picked me up and we went and got the salad. She really wanted to spend time with me, but I was literally so wiped out from the hospital yeah. Then I just fell asleep, and so you know she had needs that she wasn't. You know she wanted to go do go to dinner. She actually wanted to go get a tattoo as well. She wanted to go do sure. stuff because she's fun, and I I would have loved to have done that. I just was wiped. She just um she didn't love that. She didn't like that.
0: Hey, can I hang out with her?
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. When I left, it was just sad. So I got on an airplane to Atlanta, and. uh it was just hard to leave because I do love Kayla very much. and Yeah. I went back to Atlanta and I got home and, um, you know, I don't, when I'm, when I'm sober, I'm not drinking. It's not like I want to drink anymore. It's my mental health that I struggle with. So yeah. the first, but the first thing I, so I, the first thing I had to do was talk to my doctor because I wasn't on lithium anymore. <laughs> you know, my doctor. The, oh, right. So she hooked me up immediately. She said, well, that's a problem. And that's what she said. That's a problem. When yeah. I called her and she sent in a prescription for lithium right away. Um, so that helped out a lot. And lithium is something that will change your life. It's, you don't get high on it. You, you just get stabilized. And it just did change my life. And, but it was hard. So, you know, of course, I did drink a couple times. And but I reentered work and I was able to come back to work and do my thing, do, do therapy and meet with clients. And um, yeah. I, I haven't drank in, I don't know, two months. Um, wow. which, which is good. Um, good for you. Yeah. So, I mean, things are good. Uh, you know, I'm constantly trying to make my life better, which I think when you're, when you're 33, it's just time to start building yeah. for the future. You know I mean? You've been 33, you know what that feels well, like.
0: Well, Yeah. Remember you guys thought I was younger than I am and that made me happy in there. <laughs>
1: yeah. You do look way younger than you are. I mean, I was thinking 30 years old, so.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I know. I mean, that it's time to really make some 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 positive changes. I had the same experience. Um, and if you want to be sober, completely sober while you're here and not even having like a beer or a glass of wine, I'm totally down for that. So there's a lot of other stuff to do here in Miami, luckily.
1: Yes, there is. And Miami is a beautiful town. And you, it's fun, sober or drinking. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can do it sober. So, yes. because it's beautiful. you going downtown, walking around the stores. It's fun. Like,
0: Yeah, uh, but I'm going to get you out of downtown and okay, show yeah. you some coconut grove and some of the beautiful areas too. Yeah. Did you do much self-reflection? I, I found at times I was just, I don't know. I was just kind of entranced, lost in thought, thinking about everything that led up to, to that. And, you know, it was such a, severe dramatic experience and there's a lot to process afterwards right
1: there is you know what's weird is i would reflect back on what got me into the hospital you know and everything and i would feel a lot of guilt and a lot of shame you know like
0: that's what i feel too yeah i still uh, feel it yeah it's just
1: hard you just feel gross
0: yep and yeah it's sad and uh, i'm sorry and you know um I also wanted to ask you, sorry, um, how much do you think your career choice was impacted by your bipolar one um, disorder?
1: It was the reason why I did this.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I was was stabilized and I normally am stabilized, but I wanted to help people who are struggling. And and what's wild is people that have my same diagnosis, they also struggle with alcoholism and drug addiction. Yeah. So I work in the perfect environment. And a lot of them don't realize that they have bipolar because they've been medicating with drugs. Yep. And then they they get sober and they realize they're still having these these manic episodes and they go see a doctor and then their life changes.
2: So,
1: you know, my whole goal is, you know, to help these men and women kind of um, first, my first goal is to get them uh, to be productive members of this community. You know what I mean? Like, how can we take someone who hasn't, hasn't really participated in the real world and put them into the real world? And my second step is to get them sober and then figure out what else they need. Some people need a doctor. Some people don't. Um, I'd say 70% of my clients go see a psychiatrist uh, and report back and say, man, I'm, I'm glad that I'm on this medication. It's helping me a lot. So
0: I think you would agree. I discussed this with Sky Menhart, the host of the other podcast. We are pretty intense people, yeah. I think it's part of the disorder, but we also connect with with human beings. I think and have a lot of deep empathy. Um, well, what,
1: what's weird is after I left Holly, I would yeah. think about you and I'd go, "Man, I hope she's okay." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, I hope she, you know. I, I think about Euro and I think, "Gosh," because he Euro is in a different situation than both of us. And I always think, I hope that he is doing well, living right. You know what I mean? Being healthy. Yeah. And I
0: heard from him and it was just such a great moment. Oh, wow. You know, of course I'll come over. You know, he lives so close to me, by the way. Um, And it it was great. And then when I very recently was in touch with you again, it just, it made me very happy. Like it, it really means a lot. And I really appreciate, you know, that, that you wanted to stay in touch and everything. Of
2: course.
1: Um, We went through this experience together and it was traumatic in my opinion. Yeah, but we made a bond and I just feel like that sticks with you, you know,
0: it does. Yeah,
1: I might see you once a year or talk to you every month or whatever, but there's that bond. We went through those days together.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, my friend Lindsay who, but we have that kind of bond forever of just being in these more extreme environments that you know other people don't understand and it's similar other people don't know what our experience was like in a psych ward and what was going through our heads and you know the place that we were in mentally and the environment we were in and I guess prison does the same thing for many people right
1: I'm sure I have a lot of I have a lot of clients that come from prison and they do talk about that actually like uh the one thing they do is you know they'll, they'll finally get their cell phone here at this program yeah they'll make sure that the their, their friends who are still incarcerated have their number mm-hmm. and they will talk to him and it, it was strange to me at first because it's like but this guy's in prison for 10 years he's never getting out why are you talking to him and then i i kind of realized it's because he cares about him and he wants yeah. him to feel good by calling him you know that's yeah. the, that's his way of helping his friend who's uh, incarcerated so yeah
0: there was a guy in there a young a young guy named quentin And he approached me right away. He was super friendly too. He was like, "Hey, my name's Quentin. You can call me Q." So nice. And he's like, "What's your name?" Holly said, "I went to Holly Elementary School. It's outside of Atlanta." That's so funny. And he was like, "I like the name Holly." And I was like, "Oh, that's nice." And he was like, "Yeah, I'm really afraid I'm going to be sent back to prison, and I don't want to go back. They they brought me here from prison. If you don't see me again tomorrow, uh, that's." that's where I'll be. And I didn't see him again the next day. And he was such a nice young guy. And I won't go into this whole topic. um, But as an aside, you know, so many people are incarcerated for, for things for a long time and they shouldn't be. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about that too. I hope he's okay. You know.
1: Breaks my heart. Holly, I actually have a client here. who struggles with bipolar. Yeah. And he, was convicted of aggravated assault back in 2012
0: yeah
1: but in 2017 it was, the people that helped convict him was his mother who took the stand and his sister
0: oh wow in 2017
1: it was revealed that his mother and sister were lying <gasps> because they didn't want him to have a trailer that their father owned and so in 2017 wow. he the judge threw out the conviction um and he was set free
0: Oh my God!
1: Seven. It was seven years in prison. I think is when he served uh, for a crime oh. that, that he oh didn't commit. That he was convicted by the testimony of his family. Oh. Breaks my heart.
0: That is heartbreaking, and that also touches on the traumatic life experiences that exacerbate this condition so much and impact our episodes, our behavior. This condition, sure, it's a it's a chemical imbalance, but how much has it been exacerbated by terrible things that have happened in life right i mean this guy oh i really feel i really feel for him and you you know what i mean um, i'm not really articulating it very well right now but it's negative experiences and feeling betrayed or being hurt or just having something just go wrong that, you know happens in in life from time to time that can really trigger some really deep pain that we feel being bipolar one I think yeah
1: yeah he struggles with it a lot his trust issues are, are gone I, I remember oh, I'm
0: sure wow. you
1: know, here at my program they, the clients can't have their cell phone for three months and yeah. I'm actually the one that holds on to the I secure the cell phones in a safe
2: okay. and when he
1: when he finally got his cell phone back, Holly, he accused me of putting a tracking chip in his phone yeah, and at first I get really mad you know, but then I sat back and calmed down and I, I thought. He's used to stuff like that, you know, like he's used to not trusting anybody. Why would he trust me? Right. You know, and so I, it made sense, even though that's, it's a strange thing to accuse me of. It made sense in my head why he would think that. Yeah. And it broke my heart, you know.
0: I wonder if he has spoken to his mother and sister since then. Wow.
1: You know, I I I hope not. I do therapy with him every once in a while and uh, he's he's getting some healing, which um, is amazing. You know, I'm waiting for the miracle, but um, he is opening up, which is the first step um, in therapy, you know, kind of being
0: able to express. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling comfortable enough and feeling, you know, far enough in the healing process that you can express some of these feelings. Right. Exactly.
1: You know, I have a lot of therapy sessions where we just talk about the weather, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it takes maybe five, six, seven, eight for some people before they start talking about something real. And when that happens, I think, oh my God, thank goodness. This let's do, I am in, you know what I mean? You, I'm in, let's do this. Um, and I think oh, that's yeah. that's where the healing really starts to begin.
0: I mean, the first time that I hung out with Yarrow, um, we were doing, you know, just surface level stuff, just some questions. He was telling me a little bit about rehab. And then, I mean, I was there for a few hours I'm at the end of it, I mean, he gave me a huge hug and you know it was very it was an emotional moment and wow. Um yeah.
1: Yep. Uh it's intense. I think people like me and <sighs> you just want to help people. And I think this podcast yep. is really cool because people should hear this. And
0: I needed to help people. Yep. That's the only thing that w-
1: I agree with you. My my whole philosophy is that uh all healing comes through relationships. Right. So if I don't have a relationship with somebody, I cannot help them some step because I'm with you. I get better by helping others with sometimes simple stuff, you know, but I want to, I want to build relationships with them and rapport with them. Uh, I want them to know me and trust me and I want to trust them. And uh, we can do that. And I think if I can do that with a, with a client, a person, someone on the street, amazing things can happen. I mean, it's been good to catch up. So I'll I'll be down there May 6th. So I'm gonna definitely come by and about a month
0: so that's awesome you can meet my friend from new york who's well i want to cool. see your new condo really appreciate you not only were you there for me um and continue to be but i'm so happy that you're doing the work that you do and there are people like you in the
1: world so yeah, thank,
0: thank you. you very much todd uh, thank
1: you it was a blast
0: was <laughs> todd a blast. tornado
1: <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, and you can call me Holly Hurricane if you like. <laughs> All right, Holly
1: Hurricane. I like that. Holly Hur. So cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> it works. You should you should intro that in your in the podcast. Hey, I'm Holly Hurricane. I like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, this is Manic in Miami, hosted by Holly Hurricane.
1: Oh, 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 I'm good.
0: Oh my God! All right, I'm gonna do it.
1: All right. See you, Holly.
0: Bye bye.